Would you please open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6? Ephesians chapter 6, we'll start with verse number 13. When you have found it, would you please stand for the reading of God's word tonight? Ephesians chapter 6, starting with verse number 13. Please follow along silently as I read out loud, starting with verse number 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And our text verse for tonight is verse number 14. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. I did a lot of good, didn't I? <laughs> um, Ephesians, please, chapter number six. I want to talk to you tonight about the breastplate of righteousness, and so I want you to listen very, very carefully. Brother Clay just read to you God's description of the armor that all Christians are to put on. All Christians are to put on. The Bible said that we might be able to withstand, I'm sorry, that we may be able to withstand. Now, withstand means to oppose. Withstand means to resist. So he said, you put on this armor, you'll be able to oppose and resist in the day of evil. So along the way here, you have to understand, none of this, not one piece of this, is something that comes along with salvation. This is something we put on after salvation. This is our duty instructed by God to put these things on here. Now, the reason God wants us to do this and put this on after salvation is that we might be able to stand by withstanding in the evil day. Evil day is coming. If you're not already in it, it's coming. Now... That being said, every piece in this armor, every piece in this armor is mandatory. It's not suggestive. You can't leave something off. It comes as a body of armament. In all of this, righteousness, when it talks about righteousness, is not talking about God's righteousness that was applied to you and I. I'll show you this in a moment. That was applied to you and I upon the day we were saved. I know the scripture you're thinking about, that we have no righteousness. All our righteousnesses as filthy rags. What you're doing, you're mixing up some scripture here. You're taking certain things and not applying it in context to other things. I'll try to explain this to you in a moment. We have to understand our personal righteousness that we must put on after salvation. Our personal righteousness, in order to keep standing in the battle, it is important, the breastplate of righteousness, listen to me carefully, is as important as truth. It is as important as walking by faith. If we're not careful, we have a tendency to prefer one piece of armament above another. It comes as a body 
of protection. So we find out here living by faith, knowing that the, head of the, 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 the helmet of salvation, knowing for sure that we're saved, handling the word of God, prayer life, all of these things are important, necessary, mandatory, not optional at all. That being said, the applying of, 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 of righteousness is also to be applied in order to withstand in the evil day. Now, we speak and preach often of how Christians are falling in the battle, do we not? We're hearing it more and more all the time. It's very sad. We almost think of, well, not much you can do about sin. And that's, that is true. But there is something we can do about it. You have to understand here when I'm talking here about this, we, we, we're in the battle and people are falling because we're not praying like we should. That's something. These seven things here that the Bible talks about here is perfect armament for you and I not to just survive, withstand, resist. Hold our ground, stand. You cannot do this in your own determination. You cannot do it with one or two pieces of equipment. All of this has to go together. We see here in this battle that Christians are lacking, I think I can prove this, for a lack of prayer. A lack of learning the Bible. I tell people all the time, this year we have a Bible reading program in our church. Are you still doing that? Right now, I am where I am supposed to be in my Bible reading program. If you have never read your Bible through, shame on you. If you've been saved any length of time at all, you should have read your Bible. Through. And don't do this. Well, I'm sure at one time or another I've read it all. How do you know? Don't, don't fool yourself. There's something about the Word of God you have to have. It's not optional. You have to have these things. Walking by truth. Aren't we all supposed to walk this way? So we find out having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. We find out also living by faith. Yet it is righteousness that guards the heart. The breastplate guards the heart. Please understand it's righteousness that gives courage. My Bible teaches me that the righteous are bold as a lion. It didn't say Christian or the saved. It said the righteous are bold as a lion. Let's quit kidding one another. When you and I are really walking the way we should and we're walking with God and we're living the way we should, we have confidence that we're not even aware that we have sometimes. Righteousness is beautiful to God. The Bible even talks about worshiping the Lord in the beauty of holiness. In the beauty of holiness. Come into his sanctuary in holiness. Whatever happened to preaching on righteousness and holiness and justness? These types of things. Righteousness protects us from Satan getting to our emotions. Righteousness helps us to resist when the devil tries to use our own desires and steal our pure thoughts. Steal our pure thoughts. You must understand, in the modern era of today's Christian freedom, we have been convinced that this vital piece of equipment is no longer necessary. That righteousness, right living, 
Not, we're not talking about salvation. We're not talking about the righteousness of God, which we get from God upon salvation because of His grace. We're talking about now that we are saved in this evil land in which we live in, God said, I'm going to tell you what you need to do. Put on this, 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 and the breastplate of righteousness that you may be able to withstand. So He tells us how to withstand in the day of evil. We hear about prayer. We hear about Bible study. We hear about walking the way we should. We hear about the sword of the Lord, which is the word of God. We hear about all of these things, but when was the last time somebody preached on the breastplate of righteousness? You'll hear it less and less in this modern Christian era, era that we live in. You must understand in this Christian freedom, we have decided to set this aside, yet God instructs us that this piece of equipment is absolutely necessary. Let me give you the evidence in the Christian's life and in Scripture as quickly as I can. Would we be guessing that more and more Christians are falling in this day of evil? Would, would that be a fair assumption? You say, well, I think maybe we're just more aware of it. No, no. In the last days, more and more people will be falling by the wayside. Yet my Bible tells me that if I put on this armor, I can withstand, I can resist, I can oppose in the day of evil. I can do that. But somehow we forget to mention the breastplate of righteousness. More and more Christians are falling and turning worldly. We have bitterness that we ignore. Jealousy, strife fills our hearts. And yes, personal righteousness. I'm talking about holy living. I'm talking about virtue. I'm talking about separation from the world and to God. This is what I'm talking about. We are told is slavery. What we're being told is that not only is it slavery, but it's forced fear to control people. Listen, listen. We are being told that what it is is a way for other people to manipulate us for their own personal cause. I'm sorry, the breastplate of righteousness is something God talks about right there in the Bible. It has nothing to do with manipulating anybody or somebody getting their way. We have visually watched, and many of us know dozens and dozens of people that have fallen prey to the world in this day of evil. And God said, if you will put on this armor, you'll be able to withstand and stand. Why are not more Christians standing in the day of evil? We say we're praying. We say we're reading. We say we're living by faith. I think what's missing is the guarding of the heart which is the breastplate of righteousness. So we find out here, righteousness applied to a person, an individual. What it does, according to definition, it denotes one that is holy in heart, H-O-L-Y, holy in heart, and that's not all, also is observant to divine commands, watch, watch, in practice. They don't just talk about it. They do it. The demands and commands, the instructions of God, we don't just talk about. Righteousness says, I do that. The breastplate of righteousness is a very important piece of equipment that causes the heart to be protected and also gives us courage. 
courage to stand and, and resist. A preacher, I couldn't help myself. That's not true. That is not true. We keep sidestepping this entire uniform that God gave by simply saying, I couldn't help it, I gave in to sin. Well, that is true, but you didn't have to. Now listen to me carefully. Get your Bibles out. We're going to do a lot of turning right here. I want to show you in Scripture that I'm not just talking about the righteousness of God. I'm talking about our personal righteousness that we must apply to our life if we're going to resist in this day of evil. Folks, look at me. The devil cannot keep throwing fiery darts and swords and filth at you and you be unprotected. And the Bible said the, the breastplate of righteousness the breastplate of what? What's that word? Righteousness. Not just a breastplate. The breastplate of righteousness is as important as any other piece of equipment. Right. Yet somehow we have downplayed that. Right. We'll talk about the salvation and the peace and the sword and the shield. And, but somehow we're overlooking righteousness. Not salvation righteousness. My personal righteousness living for God. That is what's going to help me. Turn to Psalm chapter 106. <coughs> I really do apologize for preaching as long as I did this morning. I'm not apologizing for what I preached about. Amen. Psalm 106, look at verse number 3. Blessed are they that keep judgment and he that doeth righteousness at all times. Now let's admit doing righteousness is not talking about salvation. He's talking about a person living right, just, right, holy, pure, just. Turn to Proverbs chapter number 10. Proverbs chapter number 10. We've got to keep moving here because I've got a lot I need to talk to you about. Proverbs chapter number 10, look at verse number 3. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famine. I can't tell you how many Christians I've heard, I'm saved and God won't allow me to suffer famine. I'm sorry, that's not talking about just Christians. He said the righteous. The righteous. It's just like we say, uh, all children uh, that are born again have, have guardian angels. Have you ever really read that scripture? It didn't say everybody. It said the just. Look it up. Look what it says here. So in verse number three, he says this. He said, the Lord will not suffer the, the soul of the righteous to famine. But then he talks about what he'll do with the evil. Turn to Proverbs chapter 11. I want you to look at 3, 4, 5, 6, and 8. 11, starting verse 3. The integrity of the upright. He's not talking about just saved. He's talking about those that are walking upright, circumspect, walking the way God wants. I mean clean. I mean right. I mean in a straight line. Watch what he says. The integrity of the upright shall guide them, but the perverseness of transgressors shall destroy them. Verse number 4. Riches profit not in the day of wrath, but righteousness. He's not talking about salvation. He's talking about the way an individual lives after they're saved. Right living will get you out of a lot of trouble. Right living will keep you from a lot of harm. Look at verse number five. Righteous uh, uh, will direct his way. Uh, yeah, uh, right, the, the righteousness of the perfect. Again, please understand, he's not talking about just the saved, shall direct their way. It's amazing when you start walking clean and right, how obvious certain paths become. So again, if I want to keep myself standing, I have to learn how to resist and oppose or withstand when the evil comes. Or I won't be standing once it's come my way. Are you listening to me? Look at verse number six. 
the righteousness of the upright shall deliver them, but transgressors shall be taken in their own naughtiness. By the way, that sounds like a very passive word. It's not if you'd look it up. Go down to verse number 8. The righteous is delivered out of trouble, and the wicked cometh in their stead. Ladies and gentlemen, have faith in God. You live right, God will take care of you. Not only that, but God will take the wicked and put them in your place. That's what the Bible's talking about. Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 6. Proverbs 13, verse number 6. Righteousness keepeth him that is upright in the way. He said, look, you're right with God. Stay in the right way. I'll take care of things. God over and over again is not just talking to the born-again Christian. He's talking to the born-again Christian who is walking upright. He's talking to the one who is walking. How can two walk together lest they be agreed? You cannot walk towards the world and be walking with God. The prodigal son, the, the daddy back home said, Okay, son, here, this is yours. Now, when you run out, you don't have anything to replace it with. You're on your own. You know why? He wasn't righteous. He gave that up to get closer to the world. And I'm going to tell you, he paid for it dearly too. Look in chapter number 16, verse number 31. Look, look, in, your, look in your strong concordance. Look up just. Look up integrity. Look up righteousness. Look up these purity. Look them up. None of them hardly at all apply or mean salvation. It means after salvation, there is a style of living a born-again Christian should be living. We're, we're, we're headed somewhere here. Watch this. Chapter 16, verse number 31. The hoary head, that means the gray or the white-headed person. Here's what we said. Well, you know old people have a lot of wisdom. I'm sorry, that's not what the Bible teaches. It's not, I mean, you're not talking about, well, you bald-headed guys, you're just out of it. Don't want to tell you. But watch what he says here. The hoary head is a crown of glory. Isn't that something? Wait a minute. If, 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 if. It be found in the way of what? Yes. Yes. In the way of what? Oh, so let me get this straight. Just getting older doesn't necessarily mean that you're smart. It said if it be found in the way of... And he's not talking about in the way of salvation. He's saying in the way of right living. There's wisdom there. Go to Romans... Uh, go, go to Proverbs 21, 21. Proverbs 21, 21. Now watch this. This, this. this help explain it even more. Proverbs 21, 21. He that followeth after righteousness and mercy findeth life, righteousness, and honor. He is not talking about just being saved. You don't follow after salvation. You get saved and you follow the Lord. And he said here, when there is righteousness, he said, I will reward you with righteousness and honor. God is saying, live right, walk right, and you'll also be able with that with that breastplate on to resist, to oppose. We've got to stop this falling into sin like we can't help ourselves. I agree you can't help yourself when your whole important part of your life is exposed. Go to uh, Romans chapter number 6, please. Romans, New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Romans. I'm just kidding. Romans chapter number 6. Romans chapter 6, look at verse number 12, please. You say, yeah, but all that's Old Testament for you dispensationalists that don't know what you're talking about. Now, watch what he says. 
Romans chapter 6, verse 12. Let not sin reign. Everybody sins. When he says reign, it means let it have its way. Don't let that happen. So, here's what he says. Let not sin reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves to God as, as, as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness. Holy, pure, clean, right, walk with God. Your members, that's your body. That's an excellent message. He, by the way, both of these guys preach excellent messages uh, when I was not able to preach here. Uh, look in cha uh, same chapter. Go to verse number, where are we at here? Chapter 6, verse 13. Neither, no, verse number uh, 14. For sin shall, not, sin shall not have dominion over you. Now, how's that possible? It doesn't mean you're not tempted, and it doesn't mean you right. uh, shall not have dominion. It does not dominate you. Right. How is that possible? I have on the armor of God. But when I move the breastplate of righteousness, my heart is exposed. My vital organs are exposed. You cannot choose what piece of, of equipment you want to use. The righteousness of God is what allows us, gives us courage, protects our heart, our emotions, our feeling, and helps us to stand for God. Go down to verse number um, 16. Oh, no, verse 15. What then? Shall we sin because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Why do people even think that way? We are not, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> know ye not that to whom ye yield your ser uh, yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto what? Well, we're not saved by obeying and doing what we're supposed to. We're saved by faith. He is talking about now that you're saved, Obey God in righteousness, or you will obey sin in your body. Okay? Now, watch what he says next, verse 17. But God be thanked that ye were, past tense, the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart, now he's talking about salvation, that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Now watch what he says. Being then, after salvation, made free from sin, that salvation, Ye became servants of what? Righteousness. Righteousness. Serve right. Serve clean. Serve pure. This is what gives us the courage to look at a world and say, I don't have to do that. I'm not giving into that. But we almost act like a preacher. I had no choice. Yes, you did. But what happened to the breastplate of righteousness? <coughs> Excuse me. Go down to verse number uh, 19. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants, unto uncleanness and to iniquity in your iniquity, even so now, now that you're saved, yield your members, servants, to righteousness unto holiness. Do you remember, I, I said it this morning, I, I talked to many of you and you go like this, preacher, you wouldn't believe the way that I act. I mean, I gave myself to sin before I was saved. And you're exactly right. That's exactly what you did. You gave yourself. He said, okay, now that you're saved, give yourself to holiness. Give yourself to righteousness. It's not just a, I'm better than you. No, it's a protection. 
It is a protection for your heart and your life to give you the courage you need to withstand in the evil day. I hope you listen to me. <coughs> Go to uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Galatians, Philippians, uh, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Look at uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse number 24. And that ye put on, am I in the right place? Ephesians 4, 24, yes. And that ye put on the new man, which after God is created. The new man is the new life God gave you. And he said, you make sure you put it on in right. It was created for righteousness. It was not created for worldliness. It was created for righteousness. This is what he's saying. Wherefore, put, uh, 24, uh, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness, in true holiness. Folks, these are not things to keep you from having a good time. These are not things that's stopping you from having freedom. In your, this is what's going to help you oppose and resist in the evil day. And it has to do with separation from the world, living pure to God, separating from the world and to God. It is a two-step process that happens simultaneously. It's not like I get rid of all this, now I'll try to do it. No, no. As I stop this, I do this. I stop this, I do this. I stop this, I do this. You understand? Amen. Go to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 16. Here is a scripture we use quite often. Please understand, once you get saved, you're as saved as you're ever going to be. You can't get saved again. Jesus Christ is not going to die for you again. I don't care how deep in sin you go. However, the Bible says this. All Scripture, that'd be Old Testament too for you dispensationalists that don't know what you're talking about. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. Now watch this. For doctrine. Yeah, preacher, doctrine. For reproof. Okay. For correction. For instruction in what? How to live a godly life. Yes, amen. All scripture. You know the stories you read in there will tell you how you should and should not live. Yes, Do you know in the Old Testament that thou shalt and thou shalt not that nobody really likes anymore is actually telling you how to protect yourself. How to stay away from sin and how to walk with God. All of these things are for our prophet. Ephesians says that we may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand... Have you done that yet? Have you put on the breastplate of right? If you haven't, you're not going to stand. I tell you, you're not going to stand. Yes, Righteousness is one who is holy in heart and observant to the com divine commands of God to observe them. In other words, to do them. Turn to 2 Corinthians. I want to hit on separation here just a second. 2 Corinthians. I said, man, I hope he never gets sick again the way he's preaching right now. <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter number 6, please. I bring this about because there's so much uh, Joel Osteen and all, you know, all the radio preachers you listen to and all the TV. You like to listen to those because sooner or later you'll find somebody that'll give you an out. You're looking for an out. That's why you listen. To and so you listen to these women because you think they understand you. Why don't you get you a woman Bible? Well, they're out there. By the way, they have Bibles for your children. And they have picture Bibles for those of you that have never learned how to read. No. 
No, there is the King James Bible. And the King James Bible tells you after you're saved, you and I are supposed to live righteous, holy, pure, separated lives for our Savior because I am no longer my own. Amen. Starting in verse number 14. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Why not? See, we always want to know what God didn't say. For what fellowship hath... Well, there it is. Do you know why you can get along with sinners better than you can me or other Christians? Because you're not living righteous anymore. Okay, no. What fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? It didn't say what fellowship has a Christian with an unbeliever. Though that would be true. But he specifically said righteousness with unrighteousness. How do you get along with people like that? Now, first of all, I don't go like, yes, you're unrighteous. I don't do that. Okay? I don't hit them with my Bible, pull out my crucifix. I don't do that. But the fact of the matter is, once you say, hello, how's the work going? How do I do this on this machine? Or how do I do that on the computer? What, what do you hang around and talk about? If you were righteous, you would constantly be irritated by everything that's going on. I have another question for you. What are they doing hanging around you if you're witnessing to them? No, I have a better question. Why are they hanging around you? You're righteous, they're not. Okay, let's go on and read. Watch what else he says here. He said, For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what concord hath light with darkness? Somebody tell me, what, how can they get along? We turn the lights off in this room, it's going to get dark. I don't care how much you want the light to shine. Till the light is on, there's darkness. You turn the lights on, darkness leaves. They don't get along for the sake of helping everybody. We are trying to live in a world of sin and wickedness and evil and still claim that we're living good Christian lives. And it's not working. We're losing our children. We're losing preachers. We're losing deacons. We're losing youth leaders. We are losing. And then we point at them and say, how can they? I'm trying to tell you how it happened. It happened because they did not go. That song, Guard Your Heart. Lock the door, throw away the key. Guard your heart. Well, God said, that's a good idea. Here's the way you do it. Breastplate of righteousness. Uh, go down to verse number 17. Uh, verse number 15. And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Can't you see Jesus and the devil getting along for the sake of peace? For what part hath he that believeth an infidel? That's a great point. And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. I have never understood how born-again Christians who say I'm right with God can run around with sinners, and yet you skip church all the time. You make, ex you make excuse for every person you work with and every family member and hold another Christian brother to the wall. Now, something's up with that. So, go down to verse 17. Wherefore, out come from among them and be ye separate. Be ye separate. That's what the word says, separate. I'll tell you what that means here in a minute. Say the Lord, touch not the unclean thing and I will receive you. He's not talking about salvation here. What do you, there's, a, there's a comma there, and will be a father to you. Not just God, not just Lord, not just creator. Your father. Amen. We'll have a relationship like a daughter or a son and a father. Right. 
not like a God Almighty and servants down there. He said, no, no, let's get beyond that. But what you're going to have to do is get away from that to come to me. Let me be your father. Now watch what he says here. Go down to chapter 7, verse 1. Having therefore these promises, that God will be your father, will become sons and daughters, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. This is not salvation. This is personal holiness. This is personal righteousness and purity. He's saying here, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit. That's what I preached on this morning. Perfecting whoa. holiness. Holiness. What happened to the breastplate of righteousness? Turn to Judges chapter 16 and we'll close here in an hour. <laughs> Judges chapter number 16. Here we have a very famous story. This story has to do with a person named Samson, not Samson, no P. Samson. Uh, in this particular part of the story, we find out the demise of Samson. Have you ever wondered how this happened to this guy? How did he get from being born while he was still in his mother's womb, filled with the Spirit of God, separated unto the Lord? I mean, things were looking pretty good. Then he ends up dying because of a whore. He ends up in disgrace out in the world, dying a bunch of monk, among, among a bunch of Philistines that totally hated God. How in the world did that happen? How does a person go from, I'm so glad I'm saved, I just want to live for God to, I don't have to do that, and you can't make me do that. I don't have to go to church all the time, and I don't have to live that way. What happened? What happened? What happened to Samson being a mighty man of God to end up running around with harlots take his separation and throw it in the trash. He was touching dead things. He wasn't allowed to do that. He was drinking things made of wine. He wasn't allowed to do that. The only thing he didn't do yet was cut his hair. I guess maybe he thought he had it hid still. I don't know. Let me point out some interesting things in this story, if you will. Number one, Samson knew what would eventually happen when he gave up that to where his true strength lied. Do you know where your real strength lies? No, no, no. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm not talking about the Lord. If the Lord did it all, what we need is book for. This book is a book of instruction to tell you and me how to live, why we need to live that way, and what's going to happen if we do or don't. Okay? There's a lot more than that, but listen to me very carefully here. He knew what would happen. He already knew ahead of time. By the way, you know what's going to happen. When you finally fall into sin, when you keep running around and doing the things you know, this is where I really get my strength from. Church, prayer, obeying God, separate. You know where your real strength lies. Yes, you do. Samson knew where his real strength lay, and yet at the same time, he, kept, he knew it was going to happen. Look, if you would, please, in Judges 16, verse 7, the last part there. He said, I shall be weak and be as other men. Go to verse number 11. Same thing at the end of there. Says the same thing. I shall be weak and be as other men. Go over to chapter number 17, verse number, I'm sorry, chapter 16, verse 17. The very end of there. I shall become weak and be. He already knew this. He hadn't fallen yet. He was backsliding. He was becoming worldly. He was getting away from God. But he was still, if you would, not destroyed. And he already knew if I keep this up, I'm going to simply become like any other man out in the world that doesn't know God, don't know how to live right, and have no power. He already knew this. 
What made Samson have influence and power, though just a human man, was his separated life. Before he was born, God told him, now let me tell you how to raise this boy. He can't do this. He can't do that. He can't do that. I'm talking about your father telling a boy that was filled with the Spirit from his mother's womb, I don't want you doing this, and I don't want you doing that, and I don't want you touching that, and I don't want you eating that, and you better never do that. Do you know why? God wanted him to get victory in his life. God is not trying to take away your freedom. God is trying to say, let me help you survive and withstand and resist. And evil. Folks, my heart breaks over all of the good people and the talent and the abilities that are now out in the world. Because some Yahoo convinced them you don't really have to live a righteous life anymore. Yes, you do. When Samson lived a separated life, it was unbelievable the things he could do. Unbelievable what he could do just by walking with God and away from the world. When he was living for God, keeping himself unspotted from the world as the Bible teaches, God enabled him to do some remarkable things. Remarkable things. Think back when you were a younger Christian. I mean really walking with God. You, you didn't even know what all you were doing, but you used to know you wanted to walk with God. Man, you felt power. Didn't you feel power? Here's what you say. It'd be all right, preacher. God's with me. Well, now it's like, it. Well, I don't know if we really have to do all that. And, and we just keep losing battle after battle after battle after battle. While we're making excuse on why we don't have to live a righteous life, we're losing more and more good soldiers to that world all over again. When he got closer to the world, giving up his separation vows, in other words, his righteousness was fading he was defeated as if he were like any other man. Sad, isn't it? This mighty champion of God. Number two, let me point something else out to you. Number two, he somehow thought he could get close to what was his weakness, yet still maintain the presence and power of God in his life. This is what Christians think today. I can do that. I still go to church. I can do that. I still want somebody by the Lord. I can do that. I still teach Sunday school. This is what Samson thought. He actually thought, I can dabble with that which will I know is temptation to me, and yet God will continue to bless my life, and God will continue to give me the power that I need, and I'll continue to walk with God. Okay, well, what happened? I want you to look in. Now, in Judges chapter 16, he thought the presence and power of God would still be there, to allow him to resist women. Do you know this thing with Delilah was not the first time this happened? In the same chapter, at the very beginning, he was, he was running around with a whore. Now, Christian fellows, I don't know how to break news to you. You can't do that and have the power of God. You cannot do that and have the presence and power of God in your life. Can I make it clear? You cannot dabble in sin or throw yourself in a filthy pond and come out looking clean. You're not going to have the presence of God in your life and you're not going to have the power of God in your life to be able to resist anymore. <coughs> also, he still thought he could stand and fight in days of battle. You know what a coward is? A coward is a person who has lost courage. Do you know what courage is by Bible definition? 
Righteousness. The righteous are bold as a lion. It doesn't mean they're cocky. It means they're confident. I know God. He'll take care of that. It'd be like some of those in the Old Testament that went for, like David went forward into battle. He wasn't saying, I'm afraid of him. I can take this. I beat other guys before. It's not what he was doing. He was confident in the Lord. That's where his strength came from. So we see here in Judges chapter 5, verse number 16, look at the word it says entice. Where have you heard that word before? James chapter 1. A man is drawn away. He's tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. You know what that means? The devil or someone is trying to bring you to a hope of getting something, having something. So the enemies of Samson come to this Delilah person and said, entice him. What did Samson have a problem with? Women. Devil knows what he's doing. He knows your weakness. He's setting you up and you keep thinking, I'll still fight battles. I'm still separated. I'll still, and you know that's not true. While at the same time, we point at other Christians who have fallen into sin and say, how can they? Well, first of all, if you want a Bible answer, I can tell you how it happened. But I'm also going to tell you, I don't care if I fall tomorrow. It doesn't have to happen. I can withstand in the evil day if I have on the armor of God. Let's quit just preaching about prayer. Quit just preaching about truth. Quit just preaching about the shield. Let's also talk about the breastplate of righteousness. Right living with God. Let me make you a statement. What was keeping Samson in place was his place away from the world and his righteous place with God. You know what was holding you in place? It was your place with God. You know what was keeping you where you need to be? You're away, separated from the world and unto God. What you do by that is saying, I don't love that, I love him. You can't do this. I love him. You're not even looking at him. You're going to trip and fall. It's unnecessary. You need to guard your heart. Let me say this to point another, another interesting fact. Number three, he never stopped to consider, he never stopped to consider the horrible outcome that his decisions would have on other people. We're selfish. A backslider in heart is filled with their own ways. Oh, I heard. How come I can't? I don't think I have to. You know, I think it's all about you. It's all about you. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. But watch this. But a righteous man shall be satisfied from himself. You know why? God takes care of you. You know that. You're not bragging. You're simply stating a fact. The apostle Paul said, ye are our epistle. That is a letter known and read of all men. You know, people are reading you. They cannot read the intentions of your thoughts or your heart. They're reading even a child is known by his doings. Now, if a child is known by his doings, certainly us big folks are known by our doings. Quit trying to fool people, especially me, when you say, okay, you don't know my heart. Well, no kid, Einstein. I already knew that part. But I'll tell you what I do know, and it's the only thing I can know. Your works. Your stand. Now, he also said that men may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. The Bible also says, No man liveth unto himself and no man dieth unto himself. Whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. I said, number three, he never stopped to consider what his decisions, the horrible, the horrible outcome. First of all, do you understand that in Judges, Samson was the last judge for Israel? Now, I'm not sure why that happened that way. But let me point out some things to you that's going to come a little close to home. Preachers are falling. 
Song directors are falling. Daddies are falling. Teenagers are falling. Young marriages are falling. Grandmas and grandpas are falling. And we simply write it off as sin got to them. And that is true. That is true. But when we expose ourselves to Satan and the world by trying to withstand without righteousness guarding our heart, we're deceiving ourselves. Without you living a righteous life, you take the breastplate, set it off to the side. I don't care how you have a sword. I don't care how you have a shield. God said all of these seven things are important for the entire uniform if you're going to withstand in the evil day. After good, righteous Christians move away or die, listen to the whole statement, or good Christians become sinful, bad Christians, either one, doesn't make any difference which way you want to go here. After all of that, here's what we start doing. In Judges, every man did that which was right in his own eyes. When we're not going to live for God, we have to come up with some rule of thumb, some standard of living. So now we hear all the time, I just don't think God cares about that anymore. I'm going to warn us again. Preachers, daddies, teens, mommies, everybody. We had better quit saying God said when God did not said. We had better quit saying, I don't think God cares when God never said anything like that at all. We're getting ourselves in trouble. See, this is becoming today's Christian philosophy. I think. I don't see why not. I don't think God is concerned about that. And yet today, with none of that that God's concerned about, we struggle to be in church three times a week. We struggle to go to church. I mean, we're having a tough time, and yet we'll say like this, I think I'm living right for God. Really? So now we're talking for God like we're his counselors. We dress, we act, we listen to, we go to the same places as the ungodly, the unsaved, and cannot understand why no one listens to us or follows us to Christ. When a mighty man like Samson quits, who wants to follow? I am not a great preacher. I'm not even a great leader. But I'll tell you there's one thing God has allowed me to do that has seemingly more influence than anything I know. I'm not a quitter. Even people who don't like me will say this. You still at it, aren't you? I mean, I'm like, man, that's tough. You see, the world sees no advantage or benefit in our Christian life. Why should they follow us when even Samson couldn't do it without quitting and messing up? So we simply write it off as, see, he couldn't even do it. This is what we do when the preacher falls. We go straight out to the world. We go straight to some backslidden church where there's never any conviction because we simply say, see, nobody can fight this war and make it. 
I'm sorry, your Savior, the God in heaven, said you can withstand, you can resist, and you can oppose, but you have to have on the whole armor of God, and a large part of that is the breastplate of, what's that called? Righteousness. Yes, sir. You see, they see no advantage or benefit to our Christian life. There is no strong leadership hardly at all in the home, in the pulpit, in politics. When they are, they do nothing but irritate us and we write them off. We don't want strong leadership anymore because we want every man to do that which is right in his own eyes. There's no strong leadership. Churches, because of preachers, no longer have strong leadership. You said in here this morning, and as I got more hyped up and more excited about everything, you started looking around like, uh-oh. Instead of amening, it's either right or it's not. I really don't care about the visitors. I don't preach to visitors, and I'm not about ready to change the Word of God or my attitude because a visitor shows up. If they're going to stay, they'll stay, and they'll stay because you bought into it, and they'll say, you know, I like that. Do you know why that guy's here right now? Because he knows a man when he hears it. Do you know why we're starting to listen to women preachers? Because we don't want to hear a man anymore. They are not called of God. We just like what a woman has to tell us men. Their hair all shaved off, look like they just got out of Camp Lejeune somewhere. Well, let me tell you what God told me the other day when I was reading my Bible. And you say, preacher, you know so-and-so on TV? I know who she is. I don't listen to her. She had some good things to say. So is the devil. If he didn't, nobody would follow him. We're trying to make up our minds if somebody's right or wrong based upon their argument. You decide whether somebody's right or wrong based upon Bible. Israel started after this because of Samson's fall on a downward slide that never stopped. You want to know what's going on in America? I'm telling you right now. You want to know what's going to happen to your church? I'm telling you right now. Here's what you keep doing. Preacher, don't you leave us. Like I'm the guy holding this all together. I'm not. When you decide the majority of you, you no longer want to walk this path, you'll ruin your own church. No? Look at any other Baptist church that tries to act like a charismatic church or a non-denominational church or every man doing that which is right in his own eyes type of church. Read any Bible you want. Do your own ministry. What a joke. There is no accountability in that and that's why we like it. Israel started on a downhill slide. Idolatry. Read the story. After Samson died, families started giving up on God and turned to worldly pleasures. Homosexuality started infiltrating God's people. And I want you to quit being quiet every time I use the word homosexual. Preacher, you could be locked away. I'm not looking forward to that, but if you think the threat of the world is going to stop me from preaching against sin, you're crazy. 
If we're not careful, we're more worried about losing our buildings and our ground than, than losing our relationship with God. Nobody's been here longer than me. But I have got to decide whether it's the buildings and the property and my testimony or the cause of Christ and right. A righteous man, I want you to turn to Proverbs 25. I want to show you a scripture that I, I've been kind of held up on here. Proverbs chapter 25. As you're turning there, listen. A righteous man who falls and testimony is shown before the world, and it will be. It will be. Don't fool yourself. When a righteous man falls, the devil wants the whole world to see it. And in this age we live in, they're going to hear about it. When a righteous man who falls and testimony is shown before the world, this is not going to be nice. You become worthless. No? He's worthless in his influence to Christians to continue to live right. Nobody listens to him anymore. He's worthless when it comes to his influence to the unsaved that follow me, I'm living right. Nobody wants to listen anymore. You want to know where I get this at? That I'm not just making it up? Proverbs chapter 25, look at verse number 26. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse number 26. A righteous man falling down before the wicked is as a troubled fountain and a corrupt stream, uh, a corrupt spring. You know what that means? Troubled means disturbed, agitated. In other words, all the sediment comes floating to the top and is undrinkable. Is your life quenching anybody's thirst? When you fall before the Lord, nobody wants to drink of what you've got. Then he says this, and a corrupt spring. Corrupt means defiled or polluted. In other words, it cannot refresh. It's not good to drink from anymore. Why, why isn't anybody following us to church anymore? If we're not careful, it's kind of like Lot, his own sons-in-law said, they just listen to him like somebody's mocking. All right, Dad, like you're the one living right now. The only reason they don't say that because you'll whoop them. Doesn't mean they're not thinking it. So you have to understand when a righteous man, not just a Christian, when a righteous man falleth before the wicked, you become worthless. Christians don't want to hear what you have to say. Sinners will not listen to what you have to say. Point out a couple of things and I'm done. Go back to Judges chapter 16. The rest of the story here with Samson, let me point out a few things. Righteousness could have saved this guy. Trouble is, he gave up his, um, if you would, his separation. He gave up his breastplate of righteousness, if you would. I'm um, in Joshua. Judges. Losing one separation from the world and to God causes the following things minimum. Blindness. I want you to look at verse number 21. They put his eyes out. Darkness is always a symbol, a spiritual symbol of sin. The Bible said, if thine eye be dark, how great is that darkness? The more that you look to the world, the more the light begins to dim. This is what happened to Samson. So why not put his eyes out? He couldn't see anything anyway. When was the last time you actually could see sin? 
When was the last time you could actually see righteousness? When was the last time you could actually see and say, that's right, and look at something else and say, there's no way, that's wrong. You have to be able to see to make those kinds of judgments. Samson, they put his eyes out. Sin brings darkness in a person's life. Look at verse 21. Something else that it causes. It causes you to be captured by those who hate your God. The Bible said, the wicked setteth a snare for the righteous. That's purposeful. You're getting set up. Those people on the job that go like this, I understand you. Yeah, I tried church. It didn't work for me. You act like they're your friend all of a sudden. Yeah, he understands me. No, he didn't. He's getting ready to use you. If you've never been set up by the world, you have no idea what I'm talking about. They will set you up. By the way, this is why the Bible said that two people living for God are not supposed to argue in front of the lost. You're not supposed to agree with a lost person against a righteous person. I got a guy over here who doesn't even know his Bible and he agrees with it. You act like that's a great thing. That's a terrible thing. Look at verse 21. Something else it causes. Pretty soon we start only working for our own personal benefit. You used to work to give. You used to work to help. You used to work to have influence. You used to work for God and for others. But you see, it got to the place here that when Samson fell into sin, he was just making other people money. He was grinding at the mill for everybody else but God and the cause of Christ. Sounds kind of empty, doesn't it? Look at verse 23 and 24, something else it causes. It brings credibility to the world's ways and its beliefs. Here's what they'll say. I, I knew that would happen. You see, I've always believed, you know what they're saying? I have credibility and you don't. You failed. I'm still living this way. You couldn't make it and now I have the proof. You have to understand here what they're doing is it brings credibility to the world and to their beliefs. In verse 23 and 24, they start talking about how powerful their God was and how Samson's God could not bring him through this. I mean, they're bragging it up big time. When you fall into sin, it's not like, well, nobody cares one way or another. That is not true. The world cares because it wants to use you against the cause of Christ. Amen. The Christian world cares because not only do they like to have you back living for God, but you've injured the cause of Christ. The sooner you get that right, the better off you're going to be. Let me say this too. Verse number 25. They will make a joke of your life and the way you've been living. You will become the blunt of every joke. You'll see them. They'll be talking. Oh, John over there. Hey, John, how are you? What are you talking about? Oh, nothing. The world, light and darkness, cannot fellowship. They're not siding with you because they agree with you unless it's to their benefit. They will use you against you. Look at verse 27. When this happens, how often I've seen this. You become a prisoner to shame, yes, yes, guilt, yes, embarrassment, yes, and the knowledge of a worthless, empty Christian life. Yes, God never saved you and kept you for you to have an empty life. Yes, 
a worthless life, a life that does not influence. Finally, look at verse number 30. I've heard this preached on the hair of his head begin to grow like, man, isn't that great? Do you know where Samson died? In the middle of a bunch of unbelievers with a life that died among a bunch of idol-worshiping, God-hating people. And somehow in our modern Christianity, we turn around as, eh, it wasn't that bad. The guy was on a rebound. No, he died with a bunch of Philistines who hated God. He died in the middle of all of it. He died in a wicked place away from God and a place where God did not want him at. You keep fooling around with this world and you forget to put, we are supposed to be children of God. Strive ye to be perfect. Live a holy life. Live in the beauty of holiness. God said, worship me in the beauty of holiness. That is your spiritual life and your fleshly life. God said, that is so precious to me. When you separate from the world and unto me, I just love that. This is what God's saying. And it will help you to resist in the evil day. Samson died in disgrace. You've seen them. You've had friends. They died out there, didn't they? Oh, they helped build buildings just like we have here. They won souls, run bus routes, taught Sunday school. And the world just ate them up. And they died. Working for someone else. A life of existence, but no real life. This is Samson. See, Samson died in disgrace in a life that brought no honor, no glory to God whatsoever. Where are the Christians? That when your family member dies, they said, I don't want to just be at the funeral. I'd really like to hear his last words because he wasn't only saved. That man lived for God. I was asked to do a funeral for a man who died, a dad a, a, and, and a husband, and uh, he died, and, and somebody asked me, would I go and try to do the funeral? And I said, yeah, I need to talk to the family. When I don't know somebody, I really don't like doing funerals like that. But I said, okay, well, I'll go and talk to the family. I must have sat there for 45 minutes to an hour trying to get to know something about this man that passed away. Now, I was told he claimed to be saved. The man was now dead. I'm talking to family members, and I said, so tell me something good about the guy. Tell, 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 me, tell me what was good about him. They honestly stared at one another and went, man, um, boy, he's a good worker. I'm talking about a daughter and a mom, and that's all they could come up with. Samson died in a place where they could have said the same thing. Wasn't nothing else to say. We want people to say at your funeral. He used to live for Christ. She used to be a great bus worker and a great soul winner. But when she died, she died in disgrace. That isn't very nice. That's what happened. Nice or not, that's what happened. What I'm trying to convince you of, it's not necessary. When you leave off your separation and your righteousness, your holy living, your personal holiness and adaptation to the word of God, you are exposing yourself to the world, the flesh, and the devil. And God said, the reason I gave you this is so you can resist, so that you can withstand. What happened to the breastplate of righteousness? We have been convinced it's not that big a deal anymore. Nobody believes that anymore. Nobody does that anymore. That's my point. And more and more people are falling into sin and becoming more worldly, even sitting in church. 
Ephesians 6, 13. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. And he tells us why. That you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Amen. Resist. Oppose. He said, I, I can tell you how to do this. You put that armor on. And don't leave this part out either. Verse 14, the latter part says this, and having on the breastplate of righteousness. What has happened to the breastplate of righteousness? We talk a prayer. We talk a walking by faith. We talk about the sword of the Lord. We talk about all these other things. Now we're actually downplaying that piece of equipment. Well, I just don't think that's necessary anymore. Really? You mean covering your heart, protecting all your vital organs, just not that important anymore. Well, when it comes to the spiritual warfare, this is why you don't listen when preaching's going on. Because you really don't want to hear it anymore. What happened to the breastplate of righteousness? We cannot withstand because personal righteousness, personal holiness, personal pureness, personal separation from the world and then to God is missing from our equipment. What happened to the breastplate? of righteousness. Let's bow our heads, please. You better quit believing people that says it's not necessary anymore. You know it's necessary. I know it's necessary. God says it's necessary. I don't care how old you are. You're not smarter than God. And God said you need this. You don't need the helmet only. You do not need the Shoes only. You do not need the sword only. You need all seven pieces. You don't need to just have a good prayer life. To withstand in the day of evil, you need all of this applied to you. There are seven of them, which means completion, perfection. Seven. That's no accident. And God said, let me tell you why you need this. So that you can withstand. And withstanding, you'll be able to stand. We're having way too many Christians falling into sin and then acting like it's no big deal. Yes, it is a big deal. The more mighty soldiers that fall, the more those following start doing what they think is right because they see no future. No strong leadership. Every man starts doing that which is right in his own eyes. Daddy, I'm not saying be mean. I'm saying take your stand in the home. Bus captain, love those kids. Help them all you can. Compromise and overlooking sin is not the answer for anybody. I've always blamed preachers. Our compromise has jeopardized the cause of Christ. It has weakened America because they used to say, even presidents, that preachers are the conscience of America. But now even sitting in Baptist churches. While I'm preaching, you're making up your mind on what you like and don't like. We don't even listen anymore. But when we fall into sin, you'll remember. As they play, we stand in the building. If you need to pray, what happened to the breastplate of righteousness in your life? What happened to separation from the world? What happened to holiness? What happened to personal righteousness and God what folks you're not going to make it allowing sin Samson thought he could fool around with women which was his weakness and still remain mighty and fight for God didn't work won't work for you either never has never will 
there is a personal righteousness that's absolutely necessary. You'll see it. You'll see it. More and more Christians falling into sin. You'll see it and you'll blame sin and you're right. You're exactly right. I want to know, though, if you had on the full armor, how that happened. God said you can withstand. I want to know how it happened. And I'll promise you, not only do we not pray like we tell people we are, not only are we not studying like the Bible instructs us to, but one great thing we have not only dismissed, we're actually playing down and teaching against righteousness, right living, pure living, separation from the world, separation unto God. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a myth. The next time somebody you dearly love falls into sin, you remember this sermon. need to quit talking in place of their father. Well, I don't think God cares anymore about that. Who gave you the right to say that? Well, I know other Baptists don't care about the Baptist church. I care about the word of God, what it says, what it instructs. And in this armor, there is a peace that is missing that guards our heart, gives us courage, protects our emotions and our feelings, and helps us to be able to withstand in the evil day. It is the breastplate of righteousness. Christian life off as, yeah, I'm just not a young Christian anymore, so I don't act that way. That's a shame. You look around when others stand to their feet and wave their Bible and amen like, won't they grow up? I hope they never grow up. I hope I never have to grow up. Battling will make you better if you do not allow it to make you bitter. Battling was not meant to make you bitter. It was meant to make you better. In the military, with us anyway, it was not the lieutenant or the captain that we preferred to listen to. He was the first sergeant. You know why? All those stripes said experience, time, been through it. So even though I didn't like the guy, when it came to battle, I'm going to listen to him. There's something to be said about you just standing. 
for right. Don't quit. Don't give up. Don't give in. At the end of your life, perhaps your own children will say this. My dad irritated me all the time, but I'll tell you one thing. He was no quitter. He loved the Lord till the very day he died. That's what should have been said about Samson. But he died in the middle of a bunch of Philistines, disgraced and not bringing any glory to God.